welcome to Stage 4 show, started by a Stage 4 cancer survivor who's passionate bring integrating medicine, creative hostility to all patients and families can benefit hugely from it. Today, we're lucky to have David Spiegel, who's getting younger and younger every day because he has three grandchild, who's one in three years, one to three years old, and one more coming on the way. David, who are you? Well, in addition to that important role, uh, I'm the Wilson Professor and Associate Chair of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at Stanford University School of Medicine. I run the Stanford Center for Integrative Medicine and the Stanford Center on Stress and Health. Yeah, that's an important role. So David, how did you start it? Well, I uh, came out to California to Stanford in 1975 for a year and never left. Um, and I was interested from the very beginning of my career in medicine and psychiatry on how it is that the mind can affect the body, how we regulate what goes on in our body uh, in coping with serious disease. And so I began when I got here uh, running some support groups for women with metastatic breast cancer mm. and learned a tremendous amount from them and we conducted studies uh, that showed something that at the time was surprising, that women with advanced cancer talking to one another, yeah. dealing with all their fears, uh, seeing one another, some of them get sicker and die, was nonetheless helpful. It, it helped them live better. Um, yeah. and, and that was an important new thing that we found. Yeah, so it sounds to me that you see a lot of power through these conversations and human support really make a difference. Really makes a difference, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I know like, you know, you and I have known each other for several years now. We have and indeed. you have been like really kind to me and supporting my own mission of like bring creative arts therapy to the patients. You know, and like over the years I get to learn you more and I started to understanding why are you supporting me? <laughs> you know, because of that, you know, fundamentally there's so much alignment that you see what I do is really aligned with this whole uh, mind-body medicine that you deeply passionate about. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and then I found out David's email, should I say that? It's something about guitar. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, I have guitar and an email address because all, all of my life I've been playing guitar and love folk music and blues and uh, love making music with people. Yeah, yeah, see, yeah. And so, um, before you actually came to Stanford, like, you know, when you were a young child, how did you decide to get into this? Well, um, psychiatry is a bit of a genetic illness in my family because mm. both my mother and my father were psychiatrists and psychoanalysts. Mm -hmm. And so the dinner table conversations were heavily loaded in the direction of thinking about people and how they interact, how yeah. they feel, and how you can help them. Uh, live their lives better. Yeah. So uh, my parents told me that I was free to be any kind of psychiatrist I wanted to be. Mm. And I took them up on it. I became a psychiatrist, but one that did something different from the psychoanalysis they did, although similar to some of the work that particularly my father did on hypnosis. So oh. I've been interested throughout my career in how hypnosis can help people enhance their mind-body control. Yeah. Wait, so this is actually from your father? Yeah, that he he passed that along too. We uh, we actually wrote a textbook together called Trance and Treatment oh. uh, about how to use hypnosis to help. People. Okay. 
Wow, okay. So, you know, hypnosis, obviously, you know, it's new to a lot of people in some sense of fully understanding it. And now we have one of the top experts here, you know, <laughs> can you share with us, you know, with our audience, like what exactly hypnosis bring, uh, you know, to the human body? Well, hypnosis is a state of highly focused attention. It's something like the experience you may have if you're in a good movie, getting so caught up in the movie that you forget you're watching the movie and enter the imagined world. Hypnosis has been called believed in imagination. It's highly focused attention. So you focus on the content and not the context. And that extreme focus can help you as well relate better to your body. So if you can imagine being somewhere where your body feels comfortable, you can actually change the way your body feels, how you react. And you can also alter pain perception. Right now, you're having sensations in parts of your body sitting uh, and touching a chair or, or, uh, or a couch. Uh, but you probably weren't aware of it until I brought it to your attention. Hypnosis is a way of using the brain's ability to focus on and even transform perception in ways that can help manage stress better, control pain, change habits, and deal with other problems. Wow, and so like, you know, over your, you know, I don't know how many years of career now, like, you know, what kind of condition that you have able to treat it successfully with hypnosis? Well, we've been able to help people with cancer, with uh, chronic pain. We showed in a randomized trial that women in our support groups who were taught self-hypnosis had half the pain that women in the control group did on the same and very low amounts of medication. Oh, wow. It can help people deal with grief, with losing people, uh, facing yeah. the losses, but remembering what it was that made the person so special in their lives. It can help people disconnect mental stress from physical stress. So you can experience something that worries you in a way that doesn't get amplified because your body is still comfortable and relaxed. Mm. It can help people stop smoking or help people control weight. So there are a number of ways in which hypnosis can be quite helpful. Wow, okay. And you mentioned the self-hypnosis, where yes. it sounds like people can do it in their own space. Yes. Yeah, can you explain that more? Well, hypnosis is not really one person taking control of another, it's just narrowing the focus of attention. And I teach my patients to do it for themselves. So you can talk yourself into a hypnotic state, you can do something with that state, like control pain or anxiety or stress, and then you can bring yourself out. And so there are a series of instructions you learn to start the hypnotic experience, use it, and then exit. Wow, okay. And um, how does a person usually, like, you know, appears like, like, you know, in terms of like their body language, their facial expression change, like, after the hypnosis? Well, usually they feel more relaxed. They feel okay. more comfortable, even if they've been dealing with something that uh, could be rather disturbing or stressful. Uh -huh. um, Typically, they have their eyes closed, although it's not necessary. Mm. But you'll see someone who looks like they're just being thoughtful and thinking. I sometimes mm -hmm. ask people to let their hand float up in the air like a balloon, so they may be sitting like this, but concentrating inward and just feeling their, their bodies comfortable and floating. And then they can bring themselves out. So they look quiet and thoughtful, typically. Mm, I see. Okay. And then, um, what's the biggest difference between hypnosis and, you know, now like meditation is so popular? Well, they're similar, but they're not the same. We've shown in hypnosis that you turn down activity in the anterior cingulate cortex, a part of the brain that kind of alerts you if there's a problem. So it's a way of turning down your concern about other problems. Activity being turned down in the posterior cingulate cortex, which is part of our kind of self-reflection 
uh, it's called the default mode, where you're, if you're not doing a task, you're just kind of ruminating about yourself. That gets turned down in meditation. Meditation is more a kind of general exercise in allowing thoughts to flow through you, feeling compassion, focusing on different parts of your body, but it's not meant to be a treatment for a given problem. Hypnosis is more Western and problem-focused, mm. where it's shorter, it doesn't have to be half an hour, it can mm. be five minutes, and you use it to try to deal with a problem like stress or pain. Yeah, wow, okay. That's so cool. And so what kind of challenges that you personally and professionally can do, like you know, trying to bring this to a bigger audience? Well, I think there's been a, a sort of fundamental assumption in modern scientific medicine that we treat people from the bottom up. So we give them medication, we you know, do operations, uh, and that the way to control disease in the body is to fix parts of the body, kind of like you know an auto mechanic would fix a car. And sometimes that is by far the best thing to do, it may be the only thing to do. Mm -hmm. But particularly as we've gotten better at treating illnesses like cancer, we're converting it from what used to be thought of as a terminal illness to yeah. a chronic illness. Yeah. And that means that the machinery we use to manage our bodies and manage how we live is more and more important in not just the, the quality of life, but sometimes even the quantity of life. So yeah. the hard part for me has been proving scientifically that uh, there are ways in which the brain influences the body that can affect not just quality of life, but disease progression as well. Okay, so awareness to your self-control, your body, and perhaps it sounds like maybe also your attitude against whatever you're dealing with. Yes, there are better and worse ways to deal with even very serious life threats like cancer. Yeah. And uh, we found that facing it rather than fleeing it, so the acronym I use is FACES. Yeah. The F is for face the problem you have rather than run away from it because it just chases you and it's even worse. So yeah. deal with it actively cope, find something you can do about the problem, even yeah. if you can't make it go away. Yeah. Um, uh, feel a sense of uh, connection with, with other people, seek social support, and express emotion. The, mm -hmm. the emotion uh, helps you rather than harms you. It's your way of paying attention to what's important. Mm -hmm. So cope actively, express emotion, and, and seek social support. Wow, okay. I mean, that speaks so much to my own journey and then, you know, what I'm committed now to share in my book, Stage 4. Mm -hmm. You know, there was like a whole chapter of, you know, not only starting with Design for Health, which is my background as a designer, like really see how important it is to get in touch with the patients and understand their challenges. But also really it's this whole, you know, like chapter that I'm talking about, Mind Body Medicine, which will be featuring your interviews. It's like, mm -hmm. really is like, from my own journey, um, I learned that maintain that strong mindset and the fact that I grew up to be like a happy kid, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> still have this good spirit and then the fact that my doctor didn't tell me that I could die and you know, I really make a huge differences. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, I was just telling someone that uh, the year after I finished my cancer treatment, um, at this leadership program, uh, it's like the summer pool party uh, that I graduated from when I was diagnosed with cancer. And our leadership director saw me and was like, I didn't want to tell you when I went to Stanford Hospital to see you. I was so worried about you, but now I can tell you. When I was there, they told me they were worried if you can make it through in the end of the year. 
And wow. I never know. I didn't even yeah. know he was there because I was so sick and I was, yeah. you know, on drugs and, you know, like I was passing out. So I didn't even remember. But the fact that I didn't know and the fact that I have the belief that I was going to live, you know, and the fact that I enjoy music on the days I couldn't get out of bed, the fact that I started moving, you know, whenever I can, you know, and allow, you know, the music and the arts and the power of, uh, you know, creative arts to love you in all dimensions, like slowly emerge in my life through writing, through poetry. You know, I pick up my art brushes after 12 years. Mm -hmm. All of that, you know, like started to make a huge differences. You know, and the funny thing is like, for cancer patients, like oftentimes you to live day by day, right? Like, mm -hmm. like, cause you don't even know how you're gonna wake up the next day, how you feel, right? Mm -hmm. And when you look back, then you really see, oh wow, that actually make a huge differences. Mm -hmm. You know, so like whatever you just say, like, you know, just like resonate with me so much. And this is why, like, you know, I love to share your wisdom, you know, mm -hmm. to our you know, audience, mm -hmm. like, so they can take that on, you know, to their lives, you know, whether it's dealing with themselves having cancer or like, you know, at their family members. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's great that you're using your energy to help other people cope with cancer, too. And that turns what would seem to be a liability into an asset. So you're using your experience to help other people through their experiences, and that's a powerful thing. Yeah, yeah. So David, do you want to also share about more about Stanford Integrated Medicine? Yes, well we have a program that's been open since uh, 1998. Uh, we offer people uh, a variety of services that includes uh, counseling for people with cancer, helping them get through the cancer. Yeah. We teach people to use hypnosis to help with problems such as pain and anxiety. We have a growing mindfulness meditation uh, program uh, with people running classes to help people for meditation through various kinds of uh, problems. Uh, we do some acupuncture as well and uh, some functional medicine counseling, thinking of food as medicine as well. So uh, we have a variety of services. About half of our patients are cancer patients and we try to help them live better with, with their illness. Yeah, I personally is a patient at <laughs> David's uh, clinic and I love their meditation classes. I also, you know, had acupuncture in your clinic and then, um, you know, I love Susan's, uh, you know, the mind-body uh, medicine uh, eight-week courses yes. where, you know, she yeah. teaches about toxins and nutrition and, you know, environmental impact, you know, the food as medicine, yes. you know, and I recommend that classes to everybody, you Great. know, it's huge, they make a huge difference in my own way of living and also the friends that, you know, the, my family and the friends that I love, you know, I can share with them like, hey, this is what I learned. <laughs> That's great. That's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. And so I highly recommend, you know, you guys to check that out. Good. Um, so David, if other people wanted to get into this field, like, you know, out of your own, like, you know, challenges that you say, like, how did you get out of your challenges and what did you learn from it? And what kind of advice and wisdom or word that you can give to these people? Well, I think, uh, you know, integrative medicine is growing very rapidly, mostly because patients want to do it. You know, yeah. uh, um, almost half of all Americans use some kind of integrative treatment. They spend more out of pocket on it than they do out of pocket for medical care. Yeah. And they're, so they're voting with their feet to get a kind of additional help. It should always be integration. It should not be instead of regular cancer treatment, but in addition to it. Um, and I think the other issue is that I've learned in my own career is we need evidence. So there are, there are a lot of treatments in integrative medicine that are helpful and effective and safe. There are some that are not effective or not helpful and a few that aren't safe. So it's important 
to look at the science or read books or articles by scientists, medical scientists who are uh, examining integrative medicine. There's a National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health that's part of the National Institutes of Health. They have an excellent website that is a source of information, reliable, scientifically based information on integrative medicine. Mm -hmm. They fund research, they fund some of our research. And so that's a good resource to help people mm -hmm. find out what works and what doesn't. Yeah, do you happen to know the website or we can put it up let's, later? Let's put it up, yeah, we'll put okay. it up later. Yeah, okay, that sounds good. Yeah. And how about for the younger generation, like your grandchild who's gonna grow up? <laughs> what would you recommend for the younger generation? Well, I think the other thing about can't, you know, stay healthy, do the things that, that make you healthy and keep you healthy, even when you have, if you have cancer. Yeah. So do what your grandmother told you to, live well, yeah. uh, sleep well, yeah. get plenty of exercise and eat well. Do the yeah. things that she told you to do because those are things that will help your body grow well and remain healthy uh, even in, in dealing with other kinds of illnesses. So, yeah. so live a good, full, healthy life. And the other thing is social connection is so important. There's social a connection. new study out of Harvard following men for 100 years uh, showing that the single best predictor of survival, not just quality of life, but survival, mm -hmm. is strong, supportive relationships. So that's a part of your health too. Yeah. Sleep, diet, exercise, and relationships. Yeah, so I know there was a study about, I think it was from Harvard, about like hand touch, you know, where the physicians, when they come in to visit you, uh -huh. they have some kind of touching, uh -huh. and then they track that, and it's supposed to be the, the patients who actually have that kind of care, mm -hmm. with a little bit of touching, the outcome actually increased. Increased? It yeah. Would, it would <laughs> surprise me. Would yeah, surprise me. yeah, I that's thought that was really cool. Well, that's why we always shake hands with people when we greet them, you know. I yeah. There's something about cementing a physical as well as a psychological relationship that can be helpful. Yeah. yeah. So you have talked a lot about like self-care for the younger generation, but how about um, like if they wanted to pursue career in integrated medicine, mm -hmm. what kind of books, what kind of tips and tools, well, kind of school that you recommend them to look into? Well, I think, you know, the main thing is integrated medicine should be integrated. So I would say get training in a primary medical specialty, be a physician, nurse, um, but uh, or psychologist, but learn about integrative approaches as well. So mm -hmm. add them together. You should be integrated in your own training in the way that the delivery of yeah. the integrative care should be. So we learn to use standard medical treatment, but I hope the standard of medical care will increasingly involve these psychosocial approaches as well that help people better master their own feelings about their illness, communicate better with doctors, communicate better with their families. And so I think it's a matter of broadening our understanding of what good medical care is to include uh -huh. these integrative approaches. Right, and do you have specific books or people you follow, you recommend them to follow? Well, we've we've written a couple of books, one called Group Therapy for Cancer Patients that mm -hmm. describes that. Right. How, um, uh, how we try to uh, intervene uh, psychologically to help people deal with their fears and problems related to cancer. Mm -hmm. A book on hypnosis called Trance and Treatment, Clinical Uses of Hypnosis. Um, there are now good uh, uh, journals on complementary and integrative uh, medicine and publications uh, sponsored by the, the uh, National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health are mm -hmm. very good as well. So there's, there are a growing number of reliable sources of good information about integrative care. Yeah, yeah. And so David, like, what do you see is the feature of integrative medicine? 
Well, I hope we get to a point where we don't even have to call it integrative medicine. We just call it good medicine. Good um, medicine. That, okay. that we incorporate these broader array of treatments to help people cope with illness, cope with problems like pain in ways that don't get them addicted to opioids. Mm -hmm. and, and that we have a much wider understanding of how we can engage people's brains in helping their bodies. Yeah, right. And then how do you see this whole trend of like the mind-body medicine? Like people do start getting more, uh, you know, like doing more meditation, doing more yoga, doing, you know, I'm, I want to be the champion of creative arts. Sure, sure. Yeah. So David, like with um, all these technology development, with this whole new movement of like, you know, people started going into more like to so the mindful movement, you know, meditation, yoga, you know, I want to be the champion for creative arts LLB. Uh, where do you see like how everything can be merged to be a more powerful, like really not just good medicine, it's actually good health, good body, you know? It's good health and I think, you know, in the in the mid part of the last century, there was tremendous emphasis appropriately on exercise and we're all trying to do that now, you know, jogging and working out and, and yoga and things. Um, I think sort of the next movement is um, to, to work outs for our brain as well as our body. So finding ways to manage how we think and feel, yeah. like mindfulness, like self-hypnosis and other techniques. Uh, that we're discovering that we can live better, more happily, more effectively mm -hmm. if we train our minds as well as our bodies how to live. And that's what I see coming in the future. Yeah, so like training our minds. And yep. like my little technology point is thinking about all these like my tracking technologies. And <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, and getting feedback from these uh, devices as well about how well we're doing and what effects we're having. Yeah. And that can help us to do it even better. Yeah, and do you currently have any like collaborations with like the latest technology that you are excited about that you think it will make a huge difference and things that you weren't able to achieve before? Yes, we have a device uh, on Alexa now. Uh, if you tell Alexa hypnosis quit smoking, you'll hear my mellifluous voice. And it's an interactive program that, that where I ask questions and you respond and we change what we say based on that. So we've tried to replicate what I do in the office to help people stop smoking or control pain and make it available to people uh, at the moment using Alexa, but we hope to have, use other platforms as well. Oh, okay, got it. So like, it sounds like to me that you kind of developed this little AI bar to able to kind of get your whatever clinical dialogue out to like populations That's outside. exactly right. Yes. Oh, wow, yeah. that's really cool. And do you yes. have a name of that project or is that something you need to keep a secret for now? Well, for now, yeah, we're just, <laughs> we're just developing it. But you can hear it if you say hypnosis pain control or hypnosis quit smoking, you should be able to hear it on Alexa. Oh, wow, okay, that's really cool. And so David, um, what would be three powerful words that you can give to our audience? Um, uh, I would say three words are um, uh, face what you're dealing with, cope actively, and uh -huh. seek social support. Wow, okay, yeah, so like three powerful sentences. All right, thank you so much, David. Yeah, I'm you're very welcome. grateful that you know, you've been such a huge supporter of me and what I'm doing, yeah. and really also kind of educate me about how the academic works, like me coming from the technology industry. Yes. It's like feeling totally lost in academics. Good. Good. And then, you know, like really kind of empowered me to like see like there is a future for integrating medicine, and there is a future for like bringing more fun stuff, like creative arts therapy, you know, into our daily lives and, yeah. and you know, live happily and, and you know, with the feature low fat. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so you're, much. You're okay. welcome. Bye. Bye. -bye.
Hey, Stage Four Show fan! I hope you love this interview. COVID-19 made me realize that wisdom from these top industry leaders is invaluable for dealing with uncertainty and building resilience. When you share our show, you're helping change lives too. I love you, and I'll see you in the next show. Stage Four is an educational arm of Dance for Healing. Check out our COVID-19 initiative at www. stage iv.org and www.dance4healing.com